Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. And welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, the second weekly free pod from the team here at Heart and Hand. My name's David Edgar, I am your host, and joining me to discuss an incident-packed evening at Pitaudry are two regular Heart and Handers. First of all, Mr Martin Ramsey. Good evening, David. And Mr James Forrest. Hi, David. How are you? I am grand, lads. I'm very happy with three points taken from the Granite City and heading back down to civilization. And Martin, uh, a bit of a monkey off our back, or certainly Stephen Gerrard's back, because uh, recent seasons, uh, no matter how bad we've been, have been quite successful against <laughs> Aberdeen. But it turned round this year with uh, one draw and two defeats to them and, and some fairly limp performances in those defeats at that. But uh, in a, if you like, an almost classic Aberdeen Rangers game, uh, Rangers triumphed. Yeah, there probably was a wee bit rider on it for him. Um, again, given the Derek McInnes history as well, uh, a fourth failure to beat quite a direct, quite rudimentary, um, tactically backward team um, would have been a problem. Um, so it, it will be a big one for the manager. More importantly, it's a big one for us. It keeps us, at least theoretically, in um, the title race. Anything more than six points would be probably too much. And it was just a big win um, to get one up there um, and just keep ticking these these boxes um, off before we uh, were ready to really charge on. And James, it was a, a thrilling game, let's be honest. Uh, maybe too much so if you weren't a neutral and uh, our tickers were all uh, a bit dodgy. Rangers, decent first half performance, not not so good in the second in all honesty, but got the job done and, and for instance when you think about playing really well and dominating for 90 minutes against Hibs and not picking up three points just before Christmas, I'll take this any time. As would I. Um, I think circumstances dictated the way that the second half was going to play out uh, fairly early on, what, what seems to be the incident that 
people in Scotland only seem to want to talk about, um, which we will get to. But it was it, that shouldn't take away from a good first half performance. I think that we had probably the the better chances before the first goal, and you know after after we get the first goal, we we switch off defensively. But our response to that was really good, and I think from when we scored the second goal to half time, we were definitely the better the better side. So. Yeah, a good performance and to dig it out the way that we did at the end, uh, as I said, under the circumstances, was also very impressive. Yep, a great victory for Rangers. Let's uh, discuss the game in a bit of detail. Rangers started with 4-3-3 Martin, um, a return to the more functional and aggressive midfield that had worked so well against Celtic earlier in the season. And uh, the, the three up front, I think probably if we're playing a three, I think most would accept that that is the, the front three. And uh, Rangers, I thought, slow start in terms of gave up a couple of chances to Greg Stewart, one of which he might have done a bit better with, but then asserted controlling the game, taking the lead after a good bit of play by Ryan Jack in midfield. He slips the ball to Ryan Kent, who then goes on, I think we can dust down the phrase, a mazy run, um, where he goes right round the Aberdeen defence and fires a shot off that was, was swerving and dipping. Lewis got a hand to it, but just succeeding palming it out to Alfredo Morelos, right place, right time. Still a good finish, though. He had to get it back first time, and he did so. Back into the net for for 1-0. I thought Kent, in the first half in particular, looked razor sharp. He looked on it. Um, I do more and more like him doing exactly what he did before the goal, which is drive at the heart of, of that def- uh, any defence, really. Um, we probably don't see enough of that. Scottish defenders or defenders in Scotland are not good. They do not like players just running straight at them. Go back to McDermott Park when we looked inept, hopeless, this equaliser's not coming, and it takes a centre-half just to, to run at the heart of them. It, it, it sets hairs running. Um, more of that instead of just knocking it sideways out wide because they'll, they'll deal with crosses pretty much all day um, so he, he he looked absolutely on it he looked really hungry to, to do exactly that give me the ball and, and, and go looked probably the only one that looked comfortable on the ball to be honest uh, and that, that opening spell um, we struggled to keep possession um, but it, it clearly was was coming. Morelos had a chance just before that. Uh, he skewed just wide. Um, but don't underestimate the difficulty of taking that that, no. that chance the way he did. That could easily yep. skied. Um, and yeah, it, it came from Kent though. But uh, there was uh, a bit of a blow soon afterwards with Rangers conceding. I, I thought a poor goal from our point of view. Uh, Bonabarisic takes the ball, doesn't look much danger, but he's taking the ball into the Aberdeen half. He has Kent on his uh, out to his left, but he cuts inside, dawdles a little bit, fails to ride a challenge, loses the ball. Aberdeen break up the other end. Uh, Greg Stewart does Ryan Jack with a turn. Ball's put into the box. Uh, a shot comes in from the edge of the area. It, it, James Tavernier attempts a block at Cannons, back off Connor Goldson, though, straight into the path of Cosgrove, and he puts it away. Frustrating goal to lose, James. Yeah, Barisic fails to track back as you know. You see that he's kind of more ambling back rather than racing back into position, which is a frustration. Um, it kind of leaves Ryan Jack with two jobs to do. Greg Stewart does get the better of him, but we do still have the opportunity to get the ball away. Um, you know, head head a clear is not good enough, and we're just we're just standing in the box. We're not actually defending. I think there's a big difference between those two those two things, and 
you know, the goal comes had that awful air of inevitability about it as soon as you saw the weak clearance and Cosgrove is there and, and puts it away. And it was it was frustrating and it does come from this, you know, if if Barisic is smart and plays the ball out wide to, to Kent and Kent can go on another run, then it could be a, it could have been a very different story. So uh, the there's two bits of frustration. One in Barisic not really thinking as a defensive fullback as much as he should and you know the whole defence and, and dealing with that with that cross ball was just not good enough. Martin, there's been a fair bit of criticism of Barisic today in general and I thought in the first half he looked very good going forward with a couple of superb crosses into the box and I thought he looked dangerous going forward. Defensively in the first half didn't have the best of times. I thought Mackay, Stephen and Stewart, uh, who were swapping constantly throughout the match, got the, the better of him. Second half, he was poor. Um, watched the game back this morning and thought, right, OK, maybe it's perception because, you know, when you're watching the game and you don't know the, the outcome, your heart's in your mouth. But he really did struggle very badly in that second half. And it almost reminded me a little bit, not quite as bad, but uh, reminded me a little bit of the infamous Rixon game at Parkhead where it just seemed to be too quick for him and he, he, he seemed to lose his, his composure more than anything else. But online, there, there seems to be a feeling that perhaps he's a little bit soft when it comes to the physical and aggressive side of Scottish football. Your thoughts? Um, possibly, but it's, it's the go-to... Uh, argument for for so many people in in this country. I saw someone in apologies. I, I I forget who said it. it was either on Twitter or on the the, the Patreon site that he reminded them of a a pre Walter Sasa Papach, um, and simply because there's an adjustment there to the game, and a wee bit like Grezd as well and Katic. <laughs> he does need. I think he needs a, a wee bit more time, and also. He, Frustrating for for us, frustrating for him. He he can't get a run going because he's getting injured every three or four games. Yeah, he's so still, I think that he's still under ten games, ten starts anyway. Yeah, I mean, so, so that's got to be in the back of your mind when the thought of flying into challenges. Am I going to pull up again? Um, there's a, there's a psychological issue there. If that continues for another six months to a year, then we have a problem. Um, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be writing him off. Just quite yet. He's talented though, isn't he? I mean, oh, you see yeah. that when he goes forward. Um, the ability he has to whip a ball over James at pace while on the gallop, uh, not a lot of players have that. Oh, his delivery is fantastic. You know, his, his use of the ball in an attacking sense is really, really good. But as I've said before, when when I look at a fullback, first and foremost, my thought is, can they defend? And I don't mm. think that Barisic is quite there yet in terms of his defensive play. We did see maybe a bit more of that side of his game against St Mirren, I thought. I thought he looked a bit more like a defensive fullback in that game. He was putting in for a couple more challenges. Maybe it's just you have to pick the types of games that he's prepared to give you that at the moment. Uh, you know, There is still that adjustment uh, to, to come, but I I fully believe that he will turn out to be a really, really good player for us, but I think you know, just with the way that his season has gone, we might need to accept that we're not going to see the absolute best of the full package of Borna Barisic until maybe next season. But mm. in terms of what I think he can give us, I'm I'm prepared to I'm prepared to wait on that one. 
Yep, and as I said, uh, the aforementioned Fernando Rickson game, after that I thought of disaster and uh, turned out a lot better than that. So hopefully the same will come with Borna Barisic. But Rangers did assert uh, themselves in the rest of the half. Uh, coming back, I thought, excellently from the blow, losing the goal better than perhaps I'd feared. Uh, the, the second goal was one that we should be talking about for years, in my opinion, Martin. Ryan Jack wins the ball in midfield, excellent. Plays it to Ryan Kent. He takes it on, slips it into Alfredo Morello, who controls it with one foot, looks up, sees what's happening in front of him, uses the Aberdeen defender as a shield, gives the keeper the eyes, as they say, strokes it supremely calmly and confidently into the far corner with the keeper rooted to the spot on the other side. I thought this was absolutely top class. Yeah, and if it's in the top corner, it's getting replayed and replayed and replayed. There's uh, an understated beauty about it. Um, he's just passed it in. Uh, it's just caressed. Um, and there is a criticism about his composure under pressure sometimes. Um, and it was as if that that first half spell, maybe you know the first uh, the the last twenty five minutes, maybe the, the the first half, he he was in that kind of zone where it just didn't matter who else was around him. They just didn't. They weren't important. Um, total control. Uh, everything. Almost going at half half pace. Um, yeah, he was very much in that zone last night. It was beautifully worked and beautifully finished. As Martin says, sometimes there's been the criticism James of his his finishing, but I, th- I think it's improving almost monthly now, exponentially. If you look back to his first goal in this game, that's uh you know under 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 pressure and first time on your supposed weaker foot. That's a brilliant finish, and I think. He's the kind of player, and you see it whenever he gets a goal early in games, he goes on to have an outstanding game, just full stop. Um, his, his confidence, because he he puts that pressure onto himself to score the goals. But once he's once he's done that, he's like, right, now I'm in the groove. Now we're going to go have some fun here. And I don't think you get that goal in terms of the work that he does, the second goal, um, unless you get that first goal. Because I think if he's in that position and he's not, Put the first one away. He has a potential to maybe to maybe sky it or maybe overthink it. But it's just a natural finish, beautifully curled on, on the weaker foot again. Um, but you know it's the same combination again: Ryan Jack to Ryan Kent to Alfredo Morelos. Um, Ryan Jack actually, you know, in, in terms of our, our goals, you, you look at it in certainly three of the four goals. He he had a really really good game in that respect, and it's interesting that maybe when he first signed, and maybe up to recently, a lot of people have seen him as a as the holding midfielder. But in fact, play him a bit further up, play him as a box to box. You're actually getting more out of him that way, which um, which I maybe didn't expect, but I, I think that's I think that's working for him as well. Martin, uh, McKenna had been, I think, dizzied by the performance of Morelos in the first half. He'd absolutely battered him. And uh, that lack of composure came to a head with a Rangers third goal, a free kick into the box by James Tavernier. Uh, aimed towards Connor Goldson, which uh, Aberdeen felt he was offside. Um, whether or not he was is debatable. But what isn't debatable is that you probably shouldn't claim for said offside when the ball is arriving at you. Um, hit him on the arm, rolled down his arm. 
tried to get out of it the penalty being awarded with the grounds of I was claiming for offside, which is sort of like trying to defend yourself on a murder charge with the ground that you only meant to seriously hurt him. Um, Stonewall penalty kick put away by Tav. Your thoughts on that? Uh, I thought it was a touching tribute to Anton Rogan. You don't see many of them um, these days. I, I, Let's I, I, all do the Anton. Yeah, it's it's James, James is far, far, far no, too. James James no idea that's all about. Um, so it was, it was a nice uh, a nice little throwback. Um, £10 million doesn't buy you much these days. No. Um, yeah, I think you're right. He just mentally scrambled. Um, he had been given the absolute runaround. Um, instinctive thing to do. I guess that you, you think... You've played the offside trap, or your defence has, um, but it, it doesn't quite um, compute with having to actually defend the cross in the first place. Um, it was a comedy moment. It was um, enjoyed. Keeper was unlucky, but the, the penalty was too good. Yep, and in it, 3-1 at half time. Really quite confident. I, I felt that we would go on and actually give them a bit of a scudding because I thought they'd have to come out, which is not their game, and that Rangers could simply pick them off in the break. But the key to that, of course, is don't do anything stupid, particularly not in the first five minutes. Um, Tav gets done by Ferguson uh, at a corner, two minutes in the second half. People are saying, you know, Ferguson was very clever and he won it. He was, but Tav was, he, he bought it fully. I thought it was a penalty, James, but perhaps you disagree with me. I don't disagree, sorry. I know, I know it'd be better listening if I did, but I can't. Martin? Uh, no, nah, it was a penalty. It was just bad defending, really. Mm. And he was um, he was behind the eight ball pretty quickly and he just wasn't good enough to, to respond uh, fairly. And you're absolutely right. It's, you know, see out this first 10, 15 minutes, the game's done. And all of a sudden, it's going to be a nervous 45. Yep, they put the penalty away, James, and then... Uh... I was a bit disappointed with the Rangers' performance, in all honesty. I've watched it back again this morning. Now, the first thing I would say is Rangers did not give up a lot of chances, and I want to credit Goldston, Worrell, and Katic when he came on. And I will say that the, the, the James Tavernier was stopping a lot of crosses getting in, right? So I do want to praise them all for that. And the midfield were working hard, but... We dropped far too deep. We were right on the goalkeeper and invited pressure. And our use of the ball coming out was dreadful. So the midfield were working very hard, but whenever they got the ball back, they gave it away instantly. Um, I thought that it worked, and I'm happy with that, but we've got to learn to be a little bit braver and not just say, right, we're 3-2 up and under a bit of pressure, because it's okay saying we'll drop deep for five minutes, but we never got back out. I think that... um... You can look back and say it was a good team defensive performance. Um, the individuals that you mentioned as well, particularly Katic coming on, and I'm really pleased to say that because certainly when he's come back into the side, we've seen a much better version of Nico Katic again, and I'm delighted with that. But we, I think the substitutions play a part in the way that we played. It almost it was almost a concession that we were just going to allow Aberdeen to have the ball and we were just going to defend for our lives for what felt like an eternity. Um, you know, we didn't really have any midfielders on the park by the time the third sub has, has been made that you think, right, you know, they're the guy to get to, not like someone, Stephen Davis, who can, you know, use the ball and get the ball up to the to the front line. And even then, we didn't really have an out ball as well, which was which was a concern, um, or an out ball of note. I mean, Jermaine Defoe isn't exactly your six-foot-four target man. Um 
So it was... We were putting a lot of faith in our defence, which when you're 3-2 up, having been 3-1 up, is is always going to be very nerve-wracking for the supporters to watch. Um, but as you say, when you, list, when you watch back the game the next day, it's not as bad because our defence is able to deal with that more. Maybe Barisic is the only defender who can look back and say, I actually did, I actually did a decent job defensively. Um, but the rest of them certainly did, and the midfield as well, actually. They, they, they put in a shift in that respect too. It's not so much about having faith in the defence because this is this was like August again, and the ball can just bounce, you know, like it did in the first game of the season. We weren't under great pressure in terms of meaningful chances back in the um, the season opener, and they created a couple of wee things that McGregor had to be alert to. <laughs> Sometimes a wee bit too alert, um, but I don't think they were. They're not a team that's going to cut you open with brilliant football, um, but. The ball can just bounce, it can just drop, and they can get away with one. And that that was that was the big fear, I guess, watching last night. This is we've seen this before. Why do we let them have the ball? Yeah, I thought that we were too too passive. I thought yeah. that we did go into half what we hold mode, and yes, it worked. But we've seen that it hasn't worked. I preferred this to, to attempt, and but the, the counter argument as well. Say we had done that, and they had got that bit of space and got the goal, and then I wouldn't be saying so. You know, at the end of the day, I'm never going to complain about victory. We're just looking at the how the match pegged out, and certainly it wasn't good for the old heart rate. And then came the manna from heaven for every sports writer in Scotland. That was the double red card incident. Uh, Morelos and McKenna clashed, I believe is the term for it. Um, Alfie, I think, leaves his foot in, doesn't really do any damage, but leaves his foot in, although McKenna's leg does hook his, so I think it's difficult to remove it. Um, I don't think he stamped him. I don't think he intended to stamp him. I think he thought if his foot accidentally went anywhere, that was a shame, but there you go. McKenna, uh, as he's fallen on the ground, kicks up, tries to, to put him in the chin. Referee... Red cards both after discussions with the linesman uh, and a good few minutes were taken. Rangers have appealed the red card. Uh, it will be held uh, on Friday at 6pm, I believe, with uh, a decision not long afterwards. Uh, if he is banned, he will miss the next two matches, including the Scottish Cup tyres. It's a violent conduct red card. If not, uh, he will, of course, be free to play. Uh, it's a controversial incident. Everyone's got their own thoughts on it. So I'll start with you, James, and then Martin, if you want to chime in. So my view hasn't changed from last night. I believe that you know he goes he goes fairly into a challenge with McKenna. His his foot is there. Way the way that McKenna's legs end up, it kind of influences where Morelis' leg is going. I'm not quite sure what else he can do. Where can he suddenly just move his foot out the way? Uh, to avoid to avoid making contact with McKenna, I'm not so sure. McKenna boots up, it hits Morelis in the face. You know, there's a lot of people going on about how oh, look, he's kind of looking up at the referee whilst he's down. I'm not necessarily sure that he was he was hurt by what McKenna did because I, I think the man is made out of sheer sheer stone and brick. He's he's um, a very very strong guy, but. I think you you look to win the advantages where where you can. Um, it's it's frustrating because you're leaving the referee a decision to make, and 
I think the easiest thing that the referee could have done in that situation would be send both off. And I don't think there'd be many people who'd bat an eyelid, eyelid at that. If, for example, McKenna goes off, but Morelos gets a yellow, all of a sudden, again, it's 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 Andrew Dallas treatments times 100, I think. Um, so I thought, I thought a red was harsh. A yellow would have sufficed, I think. Uh, the more I see it, the the less harsh I think it is. Um, it wasn't a violent stamp down. I don't think either of the the flick outs, let's call them both that, um, had excessive force. It was a tangle, and there's frustration involved there from both, and they both kind of move at the same time. So it's not as, as if um, one was a, a a reaction to it, um, like the the incident in the the first game of the season. Um, if he books both, does anyone really complain? I can see why he's taking that way out. I'll tell you this though: if it was Cosgrove against Golton on the other end, we'd say that was a stamp, and that's that's where I lose interest in the whole media storm because uh, football fans are the biggest hypocrites ever, and I include myself in that. Um. This is just Morelos, and it's it's the player we have. Sometimes he gets that balance absolutely spot on. I think the last time I was on the flagship was after Tynecastle, where he judged it perfectly. He was a nuisance all day, took his goal brilliantly, uh, huge part in the victory, but just stayed um, within that line. Sometimes he goes over the line and we get away with it. 29th of December, could have easily been sent off. And last night did. That's the player we have that kind of Diego Costa light it's just who he is and it's not going to change fed up having the same kind of conversation it's it's just the same old stuff if he played for another team if Jonathan Johansson had been a, a, appointed a coach of Aberdeen or Hibs and, and he'd unearthed Morelos from obscurity and he, he went there exactly the same kind of player we would hate him well, yeah, but we would. When we don't because he's ours. Yeah, and that's that's the rules, and that that's the way it goes. But just can I can I just quote Reno Gattuso here and say if my uncle had another ball, he'd be a pinball yeah, machine. Yeah, I know. But from all sides, um, there's 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 a lot of pulpits getting you know being spoken from. I think, um, and it's just that type of player. He is an abrasive forward. I think we can all agree on that. And he's an abrasive forward who plays for Rangers. Therefore, he is, you said before, absolutely rightly, he is manna from heaven for um, the the sports media here. Um, he would not get the same attention if he no. played for a provincial club. McKenna doesn't get the same attention in that incident. Um, I totally accept the, the lazy journalism, cultural, racial stereotypes. The important colour is the colour of his shirt. I, I, I agree with that to a degree, and that's, that's just but it. the undertones in the coverage, Martin, uh, uh, it's very much. And they like, have from the outset, David, the, yeah, the, the, the Colombian thing. The, yeah, and that that it's just it's just bad writing. It is, but there's also it's informed by the the othering of Morelos. It's very much Scott McKenna, big brave Scottish lad. Uh, he reacted, uh, just a daft boy, you'll learn from that, I'm sure he regrets it. Morelos, he's sneaky, he's dirty, well that's South Americans, you've got to expect that from them. And you're right, I don't think they do it deliberately, I don't think they see what that is, but you strip it away and it's basically said, he's not like us, therefore he thinks differently. 
And that is the very definition of at best xenophobia. No, I, I've got some time for that, and I think that there's, there is something in that. And if that's the first incident, and that is then the narrative immediately, then I've got a lot more time for that. And if you you had South American players all over Scotland or through the history of Scottish football who were treated that way at the very first drop of a leg. Well, he, he was treated that way from before he'd done anything. And I mean, we could go back to podcasts we did back then and go back to, to Rangers fans saying, why is he being called a hothead when he hadn't done anything? Yeah, no, no that, that, that's, that's an absolute fair point. But we're now three games against Aberdeen this season alone where he has, he, it's just who he is, all right? It's just the player he is. Um, and my my bigger concern through the media reaction, but the bigger concern through officialdom last night, if you just take that as an example, is that there there is no witch hunt against um, Ollie Buck for the worst dive I think I've, I've seen all season, if not of all time, and um, Saminovic, that that assault that should be leading the front pages or the back pages. Um, and it's that's my issue with with how the the, the narrative is constructed. Um, but it's not the first time with with Morelos, just because he he lives on the edge. Uh, he plays on the edge, and we, we love him for it. If he's wearing an Aberdeen shirt, we, we'd want him crucified. And I find it hard to completely get away from from that because I know exactly how how most of us would respond in that way. You can't have it both ways. What I will say is that the reaction from him with the triple pike somersault roll and oh. uh, etc. was, you know, excessive and that that is going to add to a reputation and there's nothing anyone can say about that. But you're right. I mean, we, we can talk about it all the time up until he leaves. He'll leave in the summer. I think that's pretty much is accepted. Um, this is the player that he is. This is the player that whoever buys him is going to get. Incidentally, this yeah. will not be the end of that. Uh, although obviously in a bigger league, I think there'll be less focus on him and therefore slightly less controversy. Um, a second incident that the media seem to have hyped that I don't get, and again, I'll, I'll turn to you two on it and you can tell me what, is Alan McGregor. Uh, and that was when he came to collect a ball as he slid out, raised his foot slightly, as goalkeepers do all over the world. Uh, catches Lewis Ferguson of Aberdeen, who's running in to, to get him when he's got the ball in his hands, which he shouldn't be. Um, start with you, James. Uh, the uh, the media are sort of claiming that it was a leg breaker, it was a terrible tackle, and then this strange thing of if it happens anywhere else in the pitch, it's a red card. Well, yes, but it's different for a goalkeeper because they are diving to the ground, and once they get the ball in their hands, you've got to protect yourself because if not, if Ferguson had run in on him, he'd have clattered McGregor in much the same way that any high ball. Watch any football match this weekend. The first high ball that a goalkeeper comes from in a crowd of players, he will have his knee or his leg raised. It's pretty much standard operating procedure. Yeah, it's not going to happen anywhere else in the field because it's two outfield players. You know, it, it, because it's a goalkeeper, it is it is a different conversation. Um, I think you know he's he's slid in. Yes, yes, the foot is up, and but he's got the ball for a good. You know, not not ages, but a good wee bit before Ferguson's leg makes contact with McGregor's foot. So, I don't think I don't think it's as anywhere near as outrageous as what people are are trying to make it. Uh, I, I would actually suggest that what Ferguson later did to McGregor in retaliation is is more so. Um, 
you know, that that would be that would be my point of view. You might say that that's been with my blue tinted specs. Yeah. Oh well. Okay, that's fine. But that's that's certainly the way that I saw it. And Martin, I can uh, wage off any accusations of, or wave off even any accusations of football fans seeing it from one side partiality here and had it happened at the other end I genuinely would not have been screaming for a foul or a penalty because this is goalkeepers do this um well I, I to take the first point um in terms of the the, the great morality and on the McGregor challenge I don't think it was dreadful it's not a, a you know a career ender and uh, like Ferguson's on McGregor it probably was a wee bit worse both are fouls though that's a penalty it is Nah, it's not. It's nope. a, he can't kick people in the box. He didn't kick people in the box. If you're a goalkeeper, you're allowed to do that to protect yourself. But by convention, we've seen it. We see it every single match. And if a player continues to run in on a goalkeeper who has the ball in his hands, it's accepted that ref, that goalkeepers will do that. And that's why you'll see a guy get a knee in the back from a goalie this weekend, and you won't see a penalty given. Martin, his leg isn't extending as trying to kick out. He's just got his leg up. That's more protection. If his, if he then, once he's got the ball, if he's then extending his leg towards Ferguson, then I think that you might have a different conversation. But it's not. It's it's static. It's the way that it is. It's Ferguson in. running into him, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Nah. nah he's come out, leg up, yep, totally, as keepers do with the express intention, do not run in on me with this, because he's diving with his... I mean, what's he supposed to do? Like, catch the ball with one hand and put another hand over his uh, over his head? I appreciate the situation, the situation is not the same as two midfielders. Oh, yeah, if he does that, if he's going for the ball, it's a I, I get that, and I get that well, keepers are a protected species anyway, and the, the, the dynamics... The biomechanics um, are are different um, because one is allowed to catch and protect themselves. Um, again, it's it's another one that's on that's on the edge for me, and I I wouldn't have been spitting feathers if if it, if he given a penalty. Could have easily given it, given again the pressures as you know Ian Crocker wanted to mention in just about every situation that that happened in the box. Right, we'll move away from Martin Stewart there and. Uh... Go to a, a happier moment for from the the match, which was Jermaine Defoe came on at the end. Um, wee bit surprised with the subs because I thought we lost an outball and took Kent off. But uh, in the the seven minutes of injury time, uh, Ryan Jack wins the ball, brings it out, decides quite sensibly to hold on to it. But then he sees that Tav has darted into the space, and uh, this is excellent from Tav. I think Ryan Jack finds him. Uh, did well to, to do so with the hand in, in three of the goals he darts into the box Jermaine Defoe, wonderful movement to find a bit of space, one touch to kill it one touch to put it away and Martin I'll, I'll let you have the description of a happier moment after uh, to try and win back some of the fans after that blatant disgraceful display of uh, pro-Aberdonian bias from you Non-tribalism, this is brilliant uh, and funnily enough uh, as much as we were kind of headless chicken stuff for, for most of that second half. The calmest, the most composed we were, the less threatening, or the least threatening Aberdeen were, was during injury time, mm. almost immediately. I don't know why, um, but we we just looked far more assured, and here's a perfect example of it. Jack's very patient, um, holds it up intelligently. Um, it's a great pass from Tav. There's space, of course. We, we were on the break, and that's why he's here, David. Mm. And in the box, 
there's I don't think there's anyone in the country better. Even at this stage of his life, I still think he's a different level. The movement's incredible. You, yeah. you said, well, I was watching him Saturday, watching him a lot, and we're not finding him all the time yet, but it's you're right, different level stuff. Yeah, he, he not, lo- well, we're not. There was a couple of them on, on Saturday where Kent could have gone a lot sooner. They could have released the ball a lot sooner, but he just wasn't picking the runs up. He's He is on a different level. It, it kind of reminds me a wee bit of when Bellamy went to Celtic and you just looked at it and went, that's a Premiership player playing in Scotland. And it doesn't always look that way. You know, we've seen it. Joey Barton's a recent example, but uh, he does. And James, I've worked this out scientifically. He scored three goals uh, in two weeks since he's arrived for us. So that means in 18 months, if you do the, the calculations, he's going to score shitloads. <laughs> My calculations came up similar. Um, yes. First of all, this is why Tav is currently a much better fullback for us than Barisic because look back to that incident in the first half where Barisic, he's run up the park, his decision-making is poor, we lose the ball, we can see the goal. In this case, Tav, where it could have been very easy for him to have just sat back, he's, he sees that something could be on, gets the ball from Jack. Once again, there's Jack involved in our attacks and he plays the perfect ball in, into Defoe to, to finish. So, you know... Tavernier, as I think a lot of people, they they talk about Tav for his, his penalties and for his set pieces and, and, and whatnot, but that side of his game shouldn't be underestimated, the, the, the smartness that he has, and that's that, that's getting better. But Defoe, as Martin said, that's why he's here, to, to score goals in, in that situation. I'm, I'd be interested to see how he would play if we had to play him as a in the 4-3-3 as a lone striker, I don't know whether he, he gives you the same, you maybe need to play slightly differently, or does he need a strike partner, does he need a Morelis, does he need a Lafferty to be that to be that target man to then to then work off of? But um you know, if you get the ball to him in the box and he's got the opportunity to shoot, he's gonna score. There's there's no doubt about that whatsoever. So an excellent signing and the relief, my goodness, when he gets that goal, I think from everyone it was just and breathe, and a very well earned three points for the Bears. Fun wasn't over. Um, <laughs> in the post match, Rangers players were uh, singing and uh, listening to loud music. <laughs> this is very. Um, nobody puts baby in the corner, isn't it? He, uh, uh, but then Derek McInnes, the guff that keeps on giving, went into the Rangers dressing room and. Uh, Asked us if we could or told us to keep the noise down. Stephen Gerrard spoke to him and said... Uh, yeah, just another example of why we're all thankful that history hasn't turned out um, the way it might have done. It's just small time. It's just um, you then security just pushing out someone. Uh, teams are going to celebrate big wins. It is psychologically huge for this group of players and the manager. They knew that before. You've got to eat it. You've just got to swallow that up. Um, and by all accounts he didn't actually go in the room he just kind of huffed outside until Gerard actually came out for his, his media um, and the most disappointing was it wasn't the kind of party tunes I think it was Joy Division that was going so it must be Ryan Kent that was getting um, the adulation with um, good reason um, but he's just he's just a small small guy despite um, his shot popping uh... shot yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Derek McInnes is uh, 
the uh, shirt buttons, the hardest working front four in Scottish football. If I, if I can also just point out, as someone who often myself gets told to stop singing, I just want to point out that that doesn't necessarily it makes you look worse than the, the people singing itself. So I, I, I would I would echo those those sentiments, and it just makes him look all the worse, I think, rather than rather than the players. So ha ha ha. I will say that if we genuinely were singing Joy Division, and that's not just some outlandish rumour, then this is the coolest squad of Rangers players we've ever had. Because I think we would all have assumed it would have been some dreadful R&B and or Oasis. So congratulations to them. Uh, I'm trying to think which what would be the most apt one that it could be. Um, It'll be Ryan Kent, so... Uh, yeah. Level two, you're part. Yeah, uh, will be. So, but we're not uh, talking jobbies in the bath and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's just... Um, it's just small time, and that's what he is, and that's why he's not the Rangers manager. Yeah, and I hope next time that we'll celebrate, we sing the Eternal. Uh, that would be that would be great. Um, moving on then to Rugby Park on Saturday, James. We were there two weeks ago, and we were rotten, and uh, it threatened to derail a good part of the season. But we have bounced back well. We had two fixtures at the last three that we, or at the last four, sorry, that we thought mm, they looked tricky, which was away to Livingston, away to Aberdeen. And we bounced back well, got the results, we move on. But this is a cup, there's no margin for error. Uh, it's about, I think, making sure by hook or by crook that we're in the hat. I know that sounds a cliche, but we do have a, a wrong to right. The players, I thought, were very poor the last time. And they'll, I'm sure, be wanting to go out there and say, no, we are, we're going to make up for that performance by getting the job done on the day. Yeah, I would imagine that if you're someone like Joe Worrell, you're wanting to go there and to shut a few people up. Um, and I think the same could be said for a lot of the players who just weren't weren't at it. Um, it's it's one of the tougher draws we could have got away at one of the one of the best teams in in the country at the moment. But I, I think you're right that we have a, a lot to prove. I think there's a lot more players now who are who are more confident. We that was our first game back after the break. Uh, so there was maybe a lack of sharpness there that that we that we maybe have now. Um, whether Morelis is fit or, or not fit, no. Uh, whether he's available uh, for selection, that that could that could affect what lineup Jar goes with. Because I'd be tempted to say if Morelis was available, he'd want to basically do the same again as what he did against Aberdeen. But if it's the full. Do you have that extra striker up top with him? Do you play Kent as that 10 or do you play him out wide? Do you have Kandias in there? There's a lot a lot to think about and a lot pertains on what, what happens with Alfredo Morelos. But I, I think from a performance level, it can't get much worse than what we saw from certainly from when Kilmarnock got their equaliser. So, yeah, but I'll take another performance like that if it means we're in the hat, put it that way. Martin, it's a tough game, and I know that we're Rangers and we should be going there and win, etc., etc., but we will have to be a hell of a lot better than we were on our last trip there. And as James says, could things like selection information be dependent on Morelos? By that, I mean if Morelos is there, obviously he'll play, and more than likely we'll stick to the 4-3-3. If, however, Morelos isn't, are we then looking at a straight swap, would you mean, Defoe, or maybe we go 4-4-2 and Defoe and Lafferty play? Yeah, it's a bit of a problem because the the diamond didn't work, did it? No, not that night. And no. it should have been a four three three kind of night. I'm not sure that Defoe or Lafferty can be 
the 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 peak of a of a three. So um, big questions for the manager really uh, if uh, his hand is is um, forced uh, by that. And it is a difficult game. What what this squad seem to be good at is on the whole kind of right and wrongs and you know making up for previous errors you know we did that last night um what they're bad at is thinking of games won before they've even turned up sometimes um so i I think they won't be short of motivation um but just from a technical tactical point of view i think it's going to be interested to see how we can um navigate that if we if we can't play um the way that we were perfectly set up to play I think it'll be tough, but I'd like to think the confidence is flowing and that we'll we'll do enough to get there. But uh, there's no doubt that Rangers will need to produce uh, the level of performance we did earlier in the season at Robbie Park in the League Cup. Okay, that will do us for today. Rather long for a heart and hand extra, but it's been a busy week. If you want to hear more from us, then we'll be back on Monday with Heart and Hand, the flagship show. But of course, uh, more is available over at our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where you can get up to five shows every single day for the measly sum of just one ninety nine. yes it really is the best value in showbiz and if you're fed up with the media and who can blame you don't need to listen to it you get news from bears by bears and uh, trust me it's a hell of a lot more palatable palatable than listening to uh people like mark wilson discussing your club and i think you'll enjoy it so give it a try thanks to our executive producers in london mr mike lee and paul myers and thank you to my two guests the lovely mr james forrest thank you david the abilient Mr Martin Ramsey. Thank you very much. My name's David Edgar and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Until then, take care. Thanks. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.